So last week we kind of started talking from, you know, an overall theme of spiritual maturity and getting strong in our faith, right? We really, we're on a journey right now. God's just really pressing in with us to get strong in our faith and to grow spiritually mature and in, uh, in who we are as, as people called by God with a purpose and with a destiny. And we spoke a little bit last week about living in a place of alignment and how as we grow strong and as we grow mature internally, that we begin to live in a way outwardly that's aligned with who God has created us to be and ultimately what he's calling us to. And so living in alignment or living with alignment is, to me, it means that you know, all of the different parts of our lives that we are living outwardly are all lining up and consistent with who God has created us to be and how he actually calls us to live here in his word. And so if you could put that chart, that picture up on the screen. So this is what I think about when I think about alignment. You know, you've got, you're, you're made up of spirit, mind, and flesh, and we have our, God's Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, right, whenever we accept Christ as our Savior. And so all of these things begin to create a sense of alignment in the, in the way where we live outwardly, like we have our marriage or our relationships, uh, we have the way we serve and volunteer, we have the way that we raise our children or grandchildren, we have our careers, uh, ex- uh, all kinds of relationships in our lives, our giftings. These are all things that sort of make up who we are. They're a part of the beautiful variety of the way God has created us to live. Are you with me? I mean, isn't it awesome that God isn't a boring God? Like, he's got all this flavor, this salt, and this spice that he adds to our lives, these great experiences that we get to have. But how many people know that because God has created us to live this way, he's created us to have passions and gifts. He's created us for relationships. He's created us to raise children or to have a beautiful marriage. That He has basically set it up where we would live in a way in all these areas of our lives that line up and are consistent and true with this word, with who he's called us to be and how he's created us to live. You know, we can live in a way in these areas, guys, that are outside of alignment from how God has created us to be. We can live in ways in our relationships or whatever the case may be where it's essentially not lining up with who God, how God says we should be walking and how we should be living, right? For example, let's say that you've got these God-given gifts and passions and abilities in your life that he's put in you. To think that you would live your whole life with those gifts being dormant and not active and not making an impact in the world would be essentially kind of living outside of alignment from the way God has created and prepared you to walk. He doesn't want those things to be dormant. He wants to put those to use in the world. Maybe in in your relationships, okay? For example, I'll tell you this quick story. When Katie and I were early in our marriage, early on, you know, and, and I had found God, and we were wanting to walk with God, and we were pursuing Him, you know, there was still a lot of things that had to get worked out of me. And, for example, I used to get really, really angry, and I used to get really, really upset, you know. One time, we were in our very first home. I'll never forget, we were in the kitchen, 
and we got into this big argument. And like most arguments, it started over something really stupid and small, right? I don't even remember what that was. She probably did something, and it just <laughs> materialized. And anyway, not important. Uh, not important. And so we're sitting there. And we're arguing, and it's like we, one person just tries to get louder, and then the next person tries to get louder, and then the next person, and it was just like, who can get louder, and who can get louder? And before you knew it, I mean, I'm literally just screaming at the top of my lungs. My face is beet red, and I just, there's this little bottle. Do you remember those little Sunny Delight juices? I don't even know if they make them. There's this little bottle of Sunny Delight sitting on the table, and I just like grabbed this thing up, and I just threw it as hard as I could and slammed against the side wall of the, of the kitchen and exploded all over the place. Orange juice just went everywhere. We had white walls, and, and it was over the top of the staircase, so I couldn't even reach everything later to clean it up. So for however many years we were in that house, like every time I went down the stairs, God reminded me of the orange juice stains, right? Hey, you remember this, dummy? <laughs> and so, you know, we ex- I, I just exploded and I lost it and I just, this is how I dealt with things. I know what you're thinking. I know. Man, Katie had to really be something else to push him that far. I know. She's come a long way too, let me tell you. We don't keep orange juice in the house anymore. <laughs> But, you know, my point is, is I, I began to realize that there are these areas in my life, even though I, I really, I loved God. I mean, I was on fire for him. But I began to realize that there were these areas in my life that the way I was living, the way I was handling things, I, I got convicted. I'm like, this is not aligning with who God is calling me to be. This is not the kind of husband I'm supposed to be. This is not the way I'm supposed to uh, love my wife. This is not the way I'm supposed to handle adversity and confrontation. This, this contradicts, right? This conflicts with everything about who God, who Jesus was, and who God's calling me to be. And so there's this sense that God, he is wanting us to live outwardly in a way in the world that is aligned with who he's created us to be. And ultimately, guys, that will bring the greatest level of joy, of impact, and, and of uh, fulfillment for us in all those things. You want to have a great marriage? You want to have great relationships? You want to be a great parent? You want to have a great career? You want to use your gifts great? I'm just telling you, seek to align those things in your life with the way God has created you to be. Dig into who he says, you're, how you're supposed to live and who he's created you to be and, and begin to get truth about that and then use that to direct how you live outwardly in all these areas of your life and then you will begin to see some great things that will start to happen. And if you, if you want a great marriage, you want to live, you want a marriage like God's created it to be. If you want a great uh, career, you want to go do something that God has created you to do. Are you with me? And, and so really saying, like, what's the question? The question is not, what do I want to do? Not, what do I think it should be? Not, what do people around me think it should be? The question really is, what does God say about these things? What does God have to say about who I am, who I'm supposed to be, and then allow the truth of those discoveries and of those revelations to begin to move us to live outwardly in a way with, that aligns with those things? The Bible says that 
that God, if we trust him, that he will make our paths straight. It says that in the book of Proverbs. So as we trust in God and we lean on God to, to direct our ways and direct our paths, that he will make our paths straight, meaning he will, allow, he will help us to walk in a way that consistently lines up with exactly who it is that he's created us to be. God wants to do that for us. Are you with me? He wants to push us and, and move us in a place where we're living and flowing in this uh, rhythm, in this place that's aligned with exactly how God wants us to live and the way he's created us to be. Because that's his ultimate goal. He wants to give up, get us closer to him, and then he wants to use us to reach a world around us that are hurting, that don't know God, that are suffering, and he knows that the greatest way to reach those people is if he can use his children, his vessels, that to be good, authentic, genuine displays, instruments of who he's really created and called us to be. That that's when we become the most effective in the world around us in all these different factors facets and places that we get to, to, to live in and be a part of by God's design. Are you with me so far? So living in alignment. Now, it all starts, if you look at this, it all starts on the inside. It all begins by getting aligned properly on the inside in our spirit, right? Our spirit and the Holy Spirit live together inside the Bible says when we confess Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's Lord, that we are saved, so that means the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. So we have our spirit, but we have God's spirit in us. And God's spirit is where we, we begin to grow and where we begin to see the strength in our inner man build over time so that we can know more of God's ways, of his thoughts, that the wisdom of God begins to uh, be revealed more and more and more to us in our walk with him. And so that creates this inner strength in us because we have a certainty, we have a faith, we have a conviction about what is right and what is true. And then that faith and that conviction, once it's on the inside, can then begin to direct everything in our lives outwardly as we walk forward and as we live in these different places that we live. So it, it all begins on the inside. We have to get strong and we have to grow in our understanding of God's ways and of his wisdom and of his thoughts and of the things that he commands us to do in his word, right? Now, so much so, think about this, so much so that if we don't have the wisdom of God in our lives, if we don't have an understanding of how God's calling us or creating us to live, then the Bible would, would describe the condition of that as being spiritually blind, there would be a blindness to our walk if we're walking in a way outwardly where we don't understand inwardly what God is saying or how he's created us to be. On that, open up your Bibles if you have them to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm actually going to read out of the Amplified Version. But think about this. Think about, think about the lack of clarity that we have if we don't have the wisdom and understanding of God in us, the lack of clarity that we really do have about things, but it's funny, don't, we could sometimes think we've got it all figured out, don't we? I mean, I've always kind of, you study something, you think about, so I've got all the answers, I've got it all figured out until something happens and then everything you thought you knew comes crumbling down and then all of a sudden you've got to, 
you got to seek a deeper source. you got to find a more infinite solution, which is God, right? So a lack of his wisdom in our lives about anything ultimately creates a lack of clarity about the way that we're supposed to live. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, in the Amplified Version, it says, and this is Paul, he says, For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. Wow. So there's this sense that when we're on this journey in life, that we are always moving closer and more toward a greater level of understanding of God's ways, of his thoughts, and of the things that he says in, in his word. But even Paul goes as far as to say, like, hey, you know, I'm Paul, I, I, I'm I'm relationship with God every day. I mean, I'm, I know him well. But even I would say that I see things like through a dim glass. Like what's really actually real is, is just sort of, I'm getting it in bits and pieces and in fragments. And as we go forward, ultimately one day when we go to be with Jesus in heaven... He says, then when that which is perfect is come, I will be able to see all things clearly. So it's like this veil will finally come down. Are you with me? One day when we get to heaven, and then we'll actually begin to see everything for what it was. But on this side, what that tells me is that there is a lot of illusion and a lot of fog and smoke and misconception if we're looking and seeing things according to the way the world sees them. There's just a fog and a smoke. There's a sense of, and what we think is real. Like, I think that this, this speaker is real. You know, I can touch it and almost knocked it over. And this guitar is real. And these things are here. I can touch them. But you know, when we're talking about from a spirit, the spiritual world standpoint, everything that's here is actually just like fading in vapor. Are you with me? None of this is going to last forever. The only thing that's really eternal is our spirit and, and, and obviously God, right? And so what, he, what he's saying is imagine if you could see right now the way that those who are already went before us in heaven are seeing right now. Wow. Would our minds be blown away? Would we see different spirits of, of deception and, and of depression and anxiety just like on people and, and weighing them down? Would we see a, a glow of God's Holy Spirit, you know, inside of us and that countenance? Imagine if we could really see what is actually real versus what we see that we think is real right now that's actually just fading. It's counterintuitive to our minds. Are you with me? I mean, we're not conditioned to think this way. But what I'm just trying to do is I'm trying to get us to, to get a sense of understanding, really, that without the wisdom of God expanding and blossoming and flourishing inside of us and in our lives so that we see more and more like God and that we begin to think more and more like he thinks, then ultimately we will lack a great level of clarity about how we're supposed to live if the wisdom of God 
God isn't constantly coming alive on the inside of us. And, and then ultimately we will walk and live in a way it's very difficult to be aligned with the way that God has created you to live if you don't have a sense of truth and of revelation and of his wisdom constantly coming alive on the inside of you. Does that make sense? I just think about that like, wow, if I could really see everything as it is, what, what would, I mean, that would probably, I would probably go into shock. My mind would probably shut down because I probably couldn't handle it, you know? Um, but thank God that he understands what we need and what we can handle. And he says, hey, I have the solution for you. I've put my Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That Holy Spirit is the messenger of truth. He's the one that's revealing my wisdom and my will and my ways to you as you seek me out, and then it becomes a part of you internally, and then your faith builds and grows because you have more understanding about my wisdom and about my ways, and then that produces a strength in you in the inner man that will allow you to live outwardly with strength in all these different things that I've called you to, and that will look like a life that's aligned with exactly what it is that I've created you to be. And so, listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, get this, this is huge, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Wow. I mean, this is very clear to me. We can know nothing of God apart from a revelation of, by his spirit to us. We, it says, I has not seen natural eyes, ear has not heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You are in, we, we are incapable of knowing the things of God by any intellectual means. It's only by a revelation from his spirit into our spirit that we can actually begin to see and know these things which God ultimately very much desires for us to know. Can I tell you something? That you're calling that your purpose in your life that you're created for, it's from heaven. It's from above. It's heavenly. So why would we think that we would ever be able to gain any clarity about who we are and who we're called to be by anything that the world can teach us or show us necessarily? It's, it's a heavenly calling. It's from him and it's ultimately to him. And so if that's the case, then everything we need to know about who he's created us to be, the great and mighty things that he's put us on this earth to do, are to be found, are to be discovered, are to be enlightened through a journey of knowing and understanding the one who's created those things for us to begin with. 
Does that make sense? Eye has not seen, nor have ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So when I want to know my destiny, I want to know my purpose, I want to gain clarity, there is one source that I can go to to understand and to find deeper meaning about what those things look like in my life. And as I seek God out and I pursue him and I just, it's this love relationship of knowing him more and more that he's beginning to reveal ongoing, consistently, more and more of his ways and his, his doings in my, to, in my life of how that should look. And that produces a faith in me when God reveals that where we can then begin to live outwardly anchored on that faith and that conviction which God has shown us. You didn't think that was very good. I can tell. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. So listen to this. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Read this and then tell me that God doesn't desperately want you to know his ways and to have his wisdom in you, God, in your life. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She refers to God or refers to wisdom as a she. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. This picture of wisdom, God's wisdom, God's knowledge. It's like this picture of a woman that's at the front of the city, at the gates of the city, where everybody's coming in and out, and she's yelling. She's inviting all, come. Hear me, know me. God's saying, I want you to have my wisdom in you. I want to teach you and show you my ways, my thoughts. I want them to be a part of you so that you begin to live outwardly in a way that aligns with exactly those things. It's not like it's some you know, like uh, mystic or just this hard thing to achieve. It's not like this hidden thing that we can't get to or this evasive thing that it's only some can have. It, it, it's this wisdom that God is saying, it's here, it's, it, it's available, it's, it, it's, it's full, it's in plenty, and I want to pour it out to you. I want to reveal it to you. I want to fill you up with it on an ongoing basis so that you can continue to live in a way that lines up with exactly those truths. Because when you live according to those truths, that's when the power of God begins to move in your life. If you stand first, like say a revelation of knowing that God has never created you to have a spirit of fear, right? That he's, he says God did not create us to have a spirit of fear. Well, when you learn that and you see that in the word of God, and then you get a revelation of that on the inside of you, and then that produces a faith in you, can I tell you something? When fear comes knocking at your door, you simply just run it off. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to have that actually coming from the inside of you because there's a truth and a conviction that's actually been produced on the inside of you. Because you know that's reality, and fear having its way with you is not actually the way that it's supposed to be. And so you can say to fear, fear involves torment, and I'm being tormented right now, and that is not of God. 
God did not create me to have a spirit of fear. Fear, you have to go. That is not a part of my life. And then that power of God begins to move through that authority of truth that you are demonstrating in faith now, and the power of God runs the enemy right out of your life. Can I tell you something? It's like that in every area of your life. There are promises in the word. There are callings for our life. There are all these things that God has packed in that he wants to give us that as we begin to get more and more revelation, that produces this faith, and then we begin to live outwardly with a boldness, with an authority, and with a conviction that's not just based on what's in the wind or in the air, but it's based on something real and eternal, and it's solid that will stand forever. It's on the inside of us where our inner man is, where strength should ought to, ought to be coming from. Amen? Now, you have to realize that the world, the world as we know it, can never offer you this kind of wisdom. You have to realize that. It, 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 can, it can never offer it to you. The, the intellectual pursuit, the, the different ways, you know, you can never find the wisdom of God in any place except for his spirit giving it to you. And so to seek it, and you say, well, that sounds simple. Well, look, it does, but a lot of times we're seeking answers to things that are completely away from actually seeking what God has to say about it. And so then you think, okay, I see. So we have to realize that the wisdom of God is unavailable to us in anything that the world can give us. We have to start with the wisdom of God, and then we begin to move forward and living in a way that's aligned with that. But listen to this in the book of Job. In the book of Job, chapter 28, and it's talking about wisdom. Where is wisdom? Where do you find it? Verse 12, where can wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me, and the sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry or fine, of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from all the eyes of the living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death even say, we've heard a report about it with our ears, but God understands its way and he knows its place. I think this is a fascinating passage in scripture. I just, I love this passage. It's like, if I'm to paraphrase, it's like, where do you find wisdom? Well, you won't find it in a school book. You're not going to go major in it in a university. You won't discover it from the greatest intellectual minds of the day. You can't purchase it. You can't buy it. You can't go out and, and trade millions of dollars of valuables for it. It's only to be discovered in one place. And from one source, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, fullness of wisdom living on the inside of us, revealing, opening, uncovering 
more and more of who God is, of his ways, of his promises, of his thoughts, so that as we discover more and more of that, it's like it just continues to fill up on the inside of us. There's more solid faith there, and then outwardly we begin to live in a way, are you with me, that just lines up with what all of this truth that keeps building inside of us says. There's a power, there's a conviction, and there's a strength. But listen, guys, you got to understand that if we aren't seeking God and seeking his wisdom in our lives continually, then we can be living in a way outwardly that's just scattered all over the place and misaligned in every which possible way you can imagine from the very way God's actually created you to be and live. He wants us to live in a way that's that's consistent, that's true, that's very lined up with every promise, everything that he ever gave us, that that Jesus died for us to have. He doesn't want us to have some of it. He doesn't want us to get a little bit of it. He wants us to have all of it because he paid the ultimate price for us to get it. Are you with me? And, And we've got access now because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us to this great uncovering and unveiling. That's what revelation basically means, an unveiling, right, of what's already there that we just don't yet see. Powerful. It's all already there. We just have to have it uncovered, unveiled, and come to a greater depth of revelation and understanding about those things, and then ultimately, We know that as we hear that, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear God's ways, we hear his spirit speaking to us and showing us his truth, that that actually produces faith. Are you with me? We say, I want more faith. I want greater faith. I need my faith to be increased. Listen, to hear God's words and to see his ways and to become for that to be revealed on the inside of us actually builds, grows, produces greater levels of faith. Isn't that amazing? And then that faith is active in our lives. The Bible says faith is the substance, in Hebrews 11, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So when the faith is produced in us, it's like substance. It's like solid rock foundation that you can stand on. And when you live outwardly, believe me, you better be living outwardly coming off of something that's solid rock to begin with. Because that's what will hold you up. That's what will stand the test of time. And that's what will give you a force, a holy force moving outwardly that's giving you the power that God is moving in your life and all the different things that you're involved in. I want that. I don't know about you. Do you? I want that in all the things in my life. But guys, it's, it's, the world can't offer it to you. It can't. And, and I'm not like saying that there's not great things that we get to experience in the world. I'm just trying to say the world cannot, it will come up empty every time. We have this water pitcher in our house and we have these charcoal filters that we put in there so it kind of purifies water and so you know we drink a lot of water and so we fill these water pitchers up and you think oh I need a good cold glass of water but man it seems like every time I go to it it's empty <laughs> you know it's like I go oh I wanted a cold glass of water and there's nothing in there right I'm not talking about you it's, it's the kids it's the kids 
not true. It's not empty every time. It's just a lot of times. But my point is, is that the, if you seek the answers from the world that, that really only God can give you, you're just, you're just chasing the wind. There's, it's going to come up empty every time. And for certain, it's never going to produce anything solid on the inside of you that's going to be able to hold up and stand the test of time in the way that you want to live outwardly in all these great and mighty things that God's called you to. Amen? Let me finish with this. We talk about the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Okay, I mentioned a little bit last week about how before Jesus came that the the Old Testament prophets and all these people, you know, they heard God speak to them audibly in certain situations. Um, the Holy Spirit kind of inspired them in different times and in different ways. But really, we were originally created to live the way that Adam and Eve were living in the garden, which it says that God breathed his spirit into them after he made them. So God's spirit was actually communing with Adam and Eve. But after the fall in the garden, the, the spirit of God basically left from the inside of them, and that's when the fall happened and when sin happened. And so after Jesus came and then he did his finishing work, then he sent his Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every single one of us who confess Christ as Lord. So the messenger, the great revealer, the source of truth of uncovering and unveiling, guess what? It's no longer a voice of God that may or may not come or somebody else that may or may not speak something to it. It's actually here now in us all the time. And that's the way we were originally created to live. But that changed after the fall. But now the Holy Spirit gets to be in us. It's one of the most beautiful things that we could ever even try to wrap our minds around, right? And so we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. Listen to what Jesus says. In John chapter 16, verse 12, he was saying to them, and this is right before he was going to the cross. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, it's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. Jesus was setting it up, man. He was, this was the great transition, right? I mean, he was setting it up as good as anything's ever been set up before. He's saying, look, I'm here with you right now. You've got me. And, and they couldn't comprehend this, and I don't think I could have either, but he's with them, and he's saying, listen, I'm here with you now, but I, I've got to go. I've got to go, and I've got to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. I've got to send somebody after me, and you don't get this, but it's better for you that I do that. It's actually better for you that I leave and that I send the helper. They had no idea what he's talking about. They couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't comprehend that either if I was them. I guarantee it, but Jesus understood it. And so he went and he did what he did on the cross. And guess what happened after that? On, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the first time that that had happened since Jesus did his work. And now, for every single soul who confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what? You might as well just repeat that verse. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet with me today. The messenger of truth. The messenger 
The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us who've given our life to Christ. We spent the last couple of weeks just talking about the messenger, the source of wisdom, our need for that, our blindness spiritually without it, right? And, and we're going to have Pat, uh, Pat Bradley here next week, but after that, we're going to just finish this up talking about what the message that's produced in us does in our lives outwardly. We're going to see the demonstration of what this ought to look like, a life of faith and a life of power outwardly that's fully aligned with everything God has created us to be and the fullness of who he is inwardly. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, God, for all of the wonderful things that you're doing in our lives. And we just thank you, God. We bow our knee to you, and we acknowledge that without you, we can know nothing of significance as it pertains to our life and who you've created us to be. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit lives on the, on the inside of each and every one of us who know your Son. I thank you that that Holy Spirit is revealing wisdom to us, uncovering and unveiling more and more of your ways, of your thoughts, of your truths. God, that we may be able to live in a way outwardly that's more aligned with what you've, who you've called us to be. And I thank you for that great day that's coming where the veil will be torn down and we will see all as it is clearly. But we ask you now, God, to help us to see everything we need to see here and now. Reveal, impart, give us revelation, God. We know that you're unsearchable, but we nevertheless want to know more and more of who you are and how you've created us to live. I ask you, God, right now, for those of us, those that are here who maybe don't know you, don't know your son, that you begin to pull on their hearts in this moment. If you say, Pastor, you know, everything you've talked about today, I, I feel this tug, I feel this draw. But I, I can't really honestly say that I know that I'm going to heaven if I died today. I, I can't really honestly say that I've ever given my life to Jesus, that I've ever made him my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've walked away from him and you've not been living in a way that you're living for God and you need to get back to that place. If that's you, I just want to ask you to do something for me on the count of three. I want to ask you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. And, and God will meet you right where you are. I promise you that. If it's, a, if it's a true prayer of your heart, he will meet you right where you are. If you don't know Christ, he will make you a new creation. He will send his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. If you've walked away from him, he will meet you where you are and he will begin to help you move forward in the journey that he has for you. You say, Pastor, I need Christ today. I need him. I don't want anything else but him. That's, that's my heart right now. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. I see your hand back there, ma'am. If there's anybody else, just raise your hand. You can just put it up quickly and put it down. I just want to see who I'm praying for. You say, I need Christ today. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. All right. Listen, just pray this prayer with me, and it's not about my words. It's just about the posture of your heart. You say, Dear Father God, I ask you to meet me right now where I am today. Help me to begin to live the life that you've created me to live. I accept your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I turn from many of my old ways, and I'm turning to you now, God. But I can't do it on my own. Come, live in me. 
and make me all that you've created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray.